everyone, and welcome to the all-new Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast, powered by ForeverBlueShirts.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Forever Blue Shirts Radio Podcast. And today, I have the pleasure of talking to who I believe is one of the best Ranger beat writers around. Uh, he's a gentleman and somebody I've, I have the pleasure of interacting with a few times. Uh, Colin Stevenson of the Newsday. I can't thank you enough for joining us. Listen, thanks for asking me. Uh, this is, uh, it's always great to talk hockey and to talk hockey with you is, is also a lot of fun. So let's, let's, let's get some hockey talk, man. Yeah. Let's, I mean, can it. you believe we're here? I mean, can you believe we're here? Games? We had a game last night of sorts. You know, I mean, exhibition game, warm-up game, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, they played 60 minutes. There was even a fight, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's exciting. It was a good test. Let me ask you this question right off the hop. Um, the made-for-TV event. I think they did a good job. Nothing's yeah. perfect. You're Agreed. not going to – it's not the same, right? You're the, the crowd, the energy. But just from the standpoint of they decided to cover their seats and they have all these beautiful designs. Like MLB's got cutouts and, you know, who's got empty seats? I remember the Nationals-Yankee game I was watching. There was not, not nobody in the crowd. There was nothing going on in those seats. It was a weird experience. What do you think about what the NHL did there? All right. So I'll preface this by saying, you know, I'm a big soccer fan. So – the first league back that I paid attention to was the German soccer league. And, and, and you learn stuff from all these leagues that return, right? So the German league came back and then the Italian league and the English league and such and such. And when the German league came back the first time, the seats were empty. There was no artificial crowd noise pumped in on the broadcast. And the whole thing was weird. You felt like you were watching like a, you know, like a training match or something. Cause you could hear the guys shouting from the bench and what have you. This, like a week later, they decided, you know what, this doesn't work. Let's let's pump in some artificial crowd noise. It made the broadcast a lot better. So to your point, um, yeah, it's hockey and you're focused on the, the playing surface itself and what the players are doing, but you do get distracted by things like empty seats. And I and I agree with you. I think the idea of covering those seats uh, made it made it a lot better uh you know obviously the cardboard cutouts are interesting and th- they were funny for a while i actually don't i think <laughs> it's a i think covering the seats you know what covering the seats reminds me of like uh an olympic game between two teams not the u.s and russia or something like that you know right. or, or or a world championship game um that you know we don't really pay that much attention to but it looks like something i've you know like i could see in another setting. So like, I, I do think it was a good idea for them to cover the seats. Um, there's, you know, people are up and down about artificial crowd noise. Some people like it, some don't. I like it if it's not overdone. Um, and we'll, we'll see what they do with that going forward. Uh, you know, and they, and they've done a couple of the things they have, um, you know, they, they have like these fans and zoom shots and stuff and they show like their fans and they have the, the zoom fans cheering and stuff like that, which, which I think is kind of anything to kind of, you know, make it seem like it's not just a, a practice scrimmage. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's, it's a real game, but I, I do think that they, they really, I think they, they scored some points last night by, by covering the seats. Um, and, and, you know, the production was, uh, you know, it, it wasn't distracting, which is what you want. I, I agree. And let's talk, you know, let's talk about how we got here. Um, I have to give, full marks to the NHL for their return to play plan and, and executing it. Um, 
I think obviously getting into a bubble was the right idea. I think it was great the way they spent, you know, they did it in phases. They tested, they tested the last test before getting into the bubble. There were no new positive cases. And then in contrast, let's take Major League Baseball. They're flying around, going to different places. And games are being postponed and canceled for coronavirus, uh, you know, cases that are coming back. What are your thoughts here about what the NHL did uh, and, you know, Gary Bettman and company? Because they deserve a lot of credit, in my opinion. Uh, absolutely. I mean, of all the of all the return to play plans, I like the NHL is the best. Uh, and I always compare the NHL and the NBA because, you know, it's a natural comparison. They, they play at the same time of year. They're they're uh, you know, they're in a lot of the same buildings and, and so on and so forth. And I like the NHL plan much better than I like the NBA plan, because one of the one of the things that the NHL did right, I think, is they waited. Right. They came up with this plan. It's 24 teams. It's balanced east and west. Um, so you address the issue of teams that were like right within like striking distance of a playoff spot. The Rangers, for instance, were two points out with 12 games to go. So, you know, if you were going to just take 16 teams, they probably wouldn't have made it, but then, you know, you didn't, you didn't need to bring back all 31 teams. So they came up with a, a reasonable plan where you include fringe teams like the Rangers and, you know, maybe it's a stretch to bring the Canadians in, but you know, whatever, it fills it out. Uh, and I and I like that. And then with the hub sites, you know, they give a list of 10 possibilities and we're going to wait and see what plays out. We're going to wait and see what the virus does. And listen, in the beginning, we all thought Vegas was a lock. And Vegas says that absolutely has to be one of the hub sites. And of course, you know, it's not. And, and you end up with two sites in Canada. And I just think that um, it all worked out really well. Whereas you look at the NBA plan. It's 22 teams, and it's not 11 in each conference, right? It's 13 and one and nine in the other, so it's unbalanced. They're going to play regular season games, eight regular season games, but if you're in the conference that has 13 teams, then you're not playing everybody. It, it, you know, it's just, it just leaves a lot of holes. And then, of course, right off the bat, they announced we're going to do this in Orlando, which seemed great at the time, and now it doesn't seem so great. And, yes, you're in a bubble, but, you know, the, the, the support workers that come in that work for the hotel, so they're not in the bubble. Right. So, you know, so there, so there's issues there. Now that said, I'm, I'm rooting for the NBA. I'm rooting for their plan to work as well, but I, but I've always liked the NHL plan uh, best of all. And, and, and this baseball plan of we're going to do it without a bubble. I, I just never bought that. And the traveling back and forth between one city and the next just doesn't make sense. And, you know, you have a team that's, that's in, you know, not even playing in their home stadium because they're not even allowed to be in their own country. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just not, they should have just, and I get to baseball, like the, the, the parks themselves are, are, are tailored or the ball clubs are tailored to the parks. The parks are all different, you know, green monster, short, short ports and right, all that kind of stuff. So I get that, but it, you know, it would have been much safer, I think for baseball to do the bubble plan, the way the NBA and the NHL and the WNBA and major league soccer and all these other uh, leagues are doing it. And so that's the plan that I'm most skeptical of that and football. Yeah, I mean, honestly, first off, they shortened the season is 60 games. I mean, just right off the bat, when, when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, they're going to travel? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that sounds yeah. incredibly crazy. All right. Regardless, I agree with you. All the points you made are, are spot on, and I couldn't agree more. Um, but before they got to the bubble, right, phase three, 
you and other reporters were allowed to go to the MSG training center, right, right. which I think was invaluable. And I, and I really enjoy, you know, um, yourself and Vince uh, Mercagliano. You guys like to also take some video of your own and post it out there. I think it's great because it gives, it, it gives fans that a little bit extra insight. You know, the Rangers were, were doing a live scrimmage. They were posting it on their social media. Sometimes they'd send out a clip. But to see other angles, to see other thought process, it, it's just great. So what I wanted to ask you about attending those practices is if you could give me what your three biggest takeaways were. Like when you were there for that period of time, what did you see that you think was, is going to play in these playoffs? Well, so the, the as far as playing in these playoffs, Kako, right? I mean, the guy's been awesome since day one, and he's clearly a different player than he was when he left. I mean – and, you know, there's a lot of things. He was 18. He came over. We talked to him, not every day, but, you know, every so often we would go and talk to him. He's a nice, wonderful kid. Um, but it was a lot. You know, it, it had a big year. And it was a lot for an 18-year-old kid come over, a foreign country, foreign language. He has a command of it, but it's, you know, he's not Zabanajad, you know. Um, and he's 18. And he's a big man. And we look at him and, okay, he's 6'3 and whatever. Um, so all of that said, he goes home and it's almost like he gets his mind clear. He sees his parents, maybe he sees his buddies, um, you know, the, the social distancing and the, the, there wasn't much of a lockdown in Turku where he's from. Yep. I spoke to his agent. He said Turku had to be one of the safest places in the world. So he had access to gyms. He had access to ice. He was skating the whole time. He worked on his body clearly, and he's come back a different guy. I mean, if you watch the the game against the Islanders, um, and you saw how many you know, shots on goal that he took, uh, four shots, four shots on, on goal. goal, right? And that one that especially that one timer on the right there, where Strom I think passed the puck across, and he would not have taken that shot. He right? was averaging less than have, two shots during he the regular season. Taking that shot anytime from October to March, he wouldn't have taken that shot. Yep. But he's playing with so much confidence now. Um, he's like a different kid. And and I think that as far as what's going to play from what we – and we saw that, by the way, in those practices. You could see he had jump. He had confidence. And, and we saw that. And that, I think, is the biggest takeaway from that as far as what's going to play, you know, in, in, in these, this series here and in these uh, play-in series and, and if they get beyond the play into the playoffs. Now, what else we saw – was the goaltending thing like and listen Igor was the number one goalie when we left um you know I didn't I I'm I'm convinced you know I didn't know what to expect you know you looked at his great numbers from Russia and like yeah but everybody on that team had great numbers and mm -hmm. you know a weird league because it's like a league of haves and have-nots and if you're in one of the have teams you know you're gonna have better numbers than guy on the have-nots and so you until you see him with your own eyes um you know, you don't know. And, and in training camp, regular training camp, he didn't really stand out, right? He was kind of okay. He was average. All right. He was going to start the season in the AHL. Maybe he knew that. And then maybe he just, maybe he understood that from the get-go and then wasn't all that enthusiastic about it. Perhaps he went down to the minor leagues, put up insane numbers down there. We kept following them. Okay. Okay. But when he came, he played great. Right. And, and you look at it and you're like, Okay, it's not just a system thing. It's not just a for he's really, really good. Yeah. And um, so in, in this training camp that that according to David Quinn is not a training camp, um, what you see is 
you know, Henrik Lundqvist came back firing, man. He was playing great, but so is Igor. So it's not like, you know, you know, no matter. So I, and I think Henrik has done everything he can to kind of put himself in, in the conversation to say, you know, make them think like, hey, maybe we could look at this guy because of past history, because of who he is, because he's playing great. But it's not like Igor is playing average. Igor is playing really well, too. And, and that's, that's, I think, uh, those are the two things that, that you take away. The other thing was to watch Keandre Miller play. You know, now here's a guy that's not with the Rangers in Toronto, obviously. We won't see him until the next season. Presumably, he's going to start the season in the American League, but we don't know that. I mean, you know, based on what I saw in some of these scrimmages, um, in, in these intra-squad scrimmages, you know, he belongs, man. I mean, the guy is a, is a good enough player to to be to belong. If something happens and he makes a team, you won't be disappointed. Just a note: uh, AHL uh, news coming out while we were talking that the they're looking at a potential December fourth start date, and if that's the case. Uh, there was some rumors that if they couldn't get started in North America, colleges and everything else by a certain date that, you know, some of the prospects would start looking in Europe where they're going to start earlier. Right. So that, you know, I didn't think that Keandre Miller would fall into that. I don't think the Rangers would be like, no, no, you're not going anywhere because we want you right here. Um, you know, some other guys will probably look the European route, but for sure, uh, you know, Miller is is somebody that, I, again, I wasn't there, but the clips that you saw and what I heard was he didn't look out of place. And when a no. young kid doesn't look out of place, because Cockle didn't look out of place, right? Even though he, he didn't catch fire like everyone had hoped, you know, rookie, like, oh, he's going to win rookie of the year. Everyone had the grand delusions, you know, like most people. But it's a hard league. This is not the same league anymore. You know, all these players are – and all these teams have, from up and down the lineup, they play a system. They're defensively sound. I mean – I'm a child of the late eighties and nineties hockey. And I'm sorry, though I, you kids don't know what you missed. <laughs> you missed Mario Lemieux. Right. You missed Wayne Gretzky and his hate. You missed things like Hull and Oates. Like you would like like right. Brett Hull and Adam Oates. I mean, you watched them play, yeah. they were amazing. Yeah. You missed yeah. LaFontaine and McGillney. You missed so much good hockey. You have no right. idea. You know, and like when I hear like, oh, Connor McDavid is the greatest player, I'm like, yeah, no, Connor McDavid is good, but how dare you say that? Do you know who Wayne Gretzky <laughs> is for the love of God? <laughs> no, it's 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 funny because you know, obviously we were younger once too, and and we had older people telling us about people we missed. Um, but no, I, I think, we, I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, watching Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and a young Yager, um, you know, it's, it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to, you know, to take, you know, I don't want to say to take it seriously, but it's pretty hard to believe that anybody that's playing now would be better than any of those guys. Just and the game, the game, as much as I like the game now, it's super fast and all that, you know, it's, it's lost a little something too. It's lost a little, something. it's all speed. It's a lot less physical, you know. I'm I'm not one for senseless fighting, but I don't mind a good solid scrap once in a sure. while, you know. And and uh, you know, so I you know not to not to be nostalgic about how great the game was in the late '80s and '90s, but I'll I'll do but, it yeah, all day. It's different. It's different. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, blessed to have watched the. I saw the careers of the top three NHL leading scorers. I mean. You tell me of a better era, Gretzky, Yager, and Messier, the top right. leading scorers. In and, and let's not forget a guy like 
uh, you know, I remember when when uh, Brendan Shanahan was playing for the Rangers, and and uh, the late Tom McVie was uh, not uh, Tom Rennie, excuse me, was uh, was the was the Rangers coach, and I remember looking at you know one day, and I've known Brendan since he was like I don't know nineteen or twenty years old, right? Because when I first started covering hockey, he was on the Devils, and he was a teenager, and and uh, you know it was great. So I never really thought anything of it. It was just a guy that I knew from, you know, when he was 19 years old. And then to look at his numbers and see this guy's got 500 goals. He's got, you know, a thousand points. He's got, you know, a thousand penalty minutes. Uh, you know, it's crazy to see the numbers that this guy put up. And he's not even a guy that you would think of like on the all-time greats, right? I mean, he's not a name that you, but but then to look at what he did and the all-around game that he that he played and to win a couple of Stanley Cups. And I, and I remember saying to Tom Reddy, I'm like, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but with the numbers that he has, I mean, it's not only a lock that he's going to be a Hall of Famer, but he might be like, you know, like not a run-of-the-mill Hall of Famer, but like one of the, like, you know, the shortlist Hall of Famers. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's – that era is, you know, Steve Eiserman you didn't even mention, and, you know, uh, Peter Forsberg, guys like that. So, Al you know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great, great time. Great time. <laughs> All right. So let's – now that I'm done, you know, living my <laughs> Sega Genesis, you know, NHL 94 period of my life, you know, what, what I grew up on and what I always fall back on. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming series with the Carolina Hurricanes. So rumor has it, and sounds like it's going to be the case, that the Hurricanes are going to be without Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci. Nothing's right. official, but it sure sounds like that that's a big hit to that defense. And I yeah. understand they have a lot of good defense. Right, right. But it's like yeah. – you know, that's a big hit. Hamilton was playing was one of the top players before he got hurt. So my question for you is, what are your thoughts on that series? What, what, what do you see? What do you give edges? What do you think? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I, I, I spoke to Joe Micheletti a couple of days ago. I interviewed him for my preview, which I haven't written yet. I'm, I'm probably going to write it tomorrow. But one of the things that Joe said is it's not just that they're they're missing those two guys who are probably their two best defensemen, but they're both right-sided defensemen, right? They're both right-handed shots. So if you look at the Rangers, you know, who's their best player? Well, wouldn't it be Panarin? Like, who's going to guard Panarin if you don't have, you know, either Pesci or, or, or Dougie Hamilton on that right side? Now you're going to have to, you know – now they're all left. I mean, you know, like, so now you're going to have to have a left-handed defenseman, a uh, left-handed shooting guy over on that right side trying to, you know, trying to watch Artemi Panarin. You know, is it going to be Sammy Votnin maybe? Or whoever it is, it's it's not going to be Pesci or Hamilton. So it's, uh, you know, so I, I think that that is, that is going to be uh, – that's going to be a big blow to them, to, to be quite honest with you. I mean, because – Artemi Panarin, as we know, is, is a finalist for the Hart Trophy. He's a finalist for the, you know, the Ted Lindsay Award. Um, he put up 95 points, uh, you know, and, you know, he's had a really good year. Now, you're going to have to, you know, pick your poison between, you know, checking his line or checking Zibanejad's line. And, you know, we know that. But specifically, if you have Panarin coming down that, that right, defensive right side, you know, you don't have – you know, who do you have to match up against them? So that's going to be a problem. Uh, I always thought that if the Rangers, if you had said to anybody in the Rangers organization, you'd given them the choice, who do you want to play in that best five? It would be Carolina. I mean, they swept them in the regular season. 
Um, and they've, they've had their number pretty much for the last few years. Now, you know, it's different. You know, Carolina made some trades. They have Brady Shea. They have Votnin. You know, they have, uh, you know, Vincent Trocek. You know, so they've made some, some trades. And, you know, Lundquist in all likelihood, and we don't know this, but Lundquist in all likelihood is not going to be the goalie that, that starts on Saturday. I don't know that yet. You know, right. and Quinn has not been willing to give that up just yet. But by all uh, indications, it's probably going to be Igor. So maybe some of that sort of, um, I don't know, that, that head game psychological advantage that they had or would have had, you know, is, is dampened a little bit because Lundquist isn't in the goal. But I still think it's a great matchup for the Rangers. They're, they're a team that, that just likes to take shots from everywhere. And, you know, the Rangers have excellent goaltending. So if you're going to take long shots, I think the Rangers goalies will have no problem with that. And um, so, so you start with that. You start with, the, you know, them not having those two big-time big, big time defensemen. And, and I like the matchup for the Rangers. You know, not to be a homer, but I, I just do. And, and, again, you know, it's four and a half months ago. So it's, it's kind of, you know, as much as David Quinn would like to just pick up where they left off, um, it is four and a half months ago. But that said, I do think they found some stuff. You know, one of the things that, that he said to us, early in that, you know, maybe the first week of, of that training camp is, you know, for the first two years, he was searching. Remember, remember a time that first year where he would change up the lines, you know, you, you, you never, you almost yep. never yep. finished the same, you know, a game with the same four lines you started with because he was always searching. And it wasn't like a torts thing. No. <laughs> like, torts would just be like, I'm pissed. You're off. <laughs> right. Right. He was always just searching for something. And you think about it, he's found it, right? I mean, he's found the first line that works. He's found the second line that works, you know. Um, You know, maybe the bottom two lines, uh, you know, I don't know. Kako, you know, didn't maybe uh, put up 20 goals like you might have expected him to. But if you look at what he's coming back as now, Mm -hmm. now you're thinking, hmm. I mean, if Kako's on your third line and Phil Heedle, who looks bigger to me, I swear, is on the third line. That's a pretty good third line, I think. Uh, yeah, my concern is I, I really love Brendan Lemieux. Um, I think he is – he's a throwback player, right? Forget about the fight last night. You know, that was just – it is what it is. But he, you know, he brings an edge. Uh, and if you would – and he also had chemistry with Kako. I recall vividly there were, there were games where they were playing and they were connecting, and it was great. And also I think, you know, having a guy like Lemieux uh, on the opposite flank of Kako – it because he drives people crazy because he's got a little of his dad in him, obviously, right, you know, right. he, there's a lot of attention sent his way. And if there's attention sent his way, that opens up the ice for a young kid like Kako. And until he starts scoring regularly, you know, he's not going to get, you know, the focus like, Hey, forget about what the muse doing. Pay attention to that kid. But that's why, like you say, I think you said it before, you know, Kako, he's a different player and he comes back and he starts scoring. He could be an X factor, right? And if you're getting three lines of, of offense, you're going to be hard to beat in any series, especially a five-game series. And the, the thing about Kako, I was thinking about this before, um, is, you know, we saw him in that inter-squad scrimmage, the one where Buchnevich couldn't play because he, you know, he had some small injury or whatever, and he didn't, didn't play in that scrimmage. And they, they put Kako up on the first line. He looked great on that first line, by the way, he scored two goals. Mm-hmm. And we saw last night in the, in the, the game against the Islanders that 
you know, Quinn experimented with putting Kako up with Stroma Panera, and he looked great there too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was asked a question after the game. Vince asked him, you know, is that something we might see on Saturday, you know, playing Kako with those two guys? And essentially the answer was maybe, you know, it probably won't look like that at the start. Yeah. But depending on how the game goes, depending on how he's playing, depending on how they play, you know, it's possible. It's, it's on the table, absolutely. And, and I was thinking about that, you know, as, as great as that would be for Kako, and I think he deserves it, right? Because I think uh, the way he's played, you reward that by giving him more ice time and giving him a more prominent role. But I wonder if they don't have balance right now. I mean, and having, you know, the, the balance that they have right now is kind of really good. I mean, if you, we talk about balance between having Zibanejad and Panarin on, on separate lines. Well, now, if you have Kako on a third line and Kako is playing – the way we think that he's capable of playing. Now you have three lines as opposed to, let's say you took Kako off that line, put him up on the second line. Now you have Hedl playing on a third line and who's he playing with? You know what I mean? So like now I'm thinking, I started thinking, well, I'd like to see Kako on the second line in the top six, but you kind of lengthen the lineup if you leave him in the third line and you know maybe him and Hedl can get a little something going. And, you know, they, the point is they have options. So it's, it's a nice to have options. Stop coaching, Colin. <laughs> My inner torts comes out every once in a while. <laughs> no, but I, I, all excellent points. My, I think that, first off, that first line spot is his. It's just not his yet. It's going to be his. I don't care what Buchnevich does. There, you can see the, the talent night and day between the two. Like, I, Buchnevich is solid. There's a lot of chemistry on that line. I think he's an excellent winger. I really do. I think he would be, he's going to be a better, because I think he's getting more defensively responsible. And I, and between me and you, I don't think the Rangers are keeping Fost. I just don't know how they're going to keep all these players with only $14 million and seven guys to sign. That's what they need to fill out their roster next year. Uh, and that's with promotions. And you can think Kratzoff's going to be, so let's leave it to you. Put Kratzoff in the mix. Now you got a whole. So, <laughs> Let's not go crazy. Before he looked, he looked good too in in in, the, in those uh, scrimmages. Kratzoff. Uh, he didn't uh, toward the end. He started getting more and more ice time, and, and he didn't look out of place either. So, so there's good news there as well. So let me just uh, really quick before we, I ask you for your pick. Uh, I spoke with Steve Valaket um, a couple of days ago, and we talked about about the series, and he had a couple of thoughts on it. You know, he's you know. Carolina, they shoot from everywhere. Uh, he does feel that the Rangers' transition is going to have to be a big deal. It's kind of why I'm leaning Shesterkin because of his ability to play the puck. It's certainly like having a third defenseman out there. Yeah. Uh, but he did say something that I didn't know uh, because, you know, he is the king of stats and he dives in and does his own analysis. Right. But the uh, So Mrazek, who's likely going to be the Carolina starter, right. uh, ranked 31st in stopping shots that went east to west from the hash marks. The Rangers were the number one team at executing that play. Right. So I thought that was a quite Yeah, that's not going to be a good thing, I guess, especially if you don't have your two best defensemen. So with that being said, what what are your thoughts? What do you, who do you think is going to win that series? Well, I, I do. I do like the Rangers' chances, I, I, and I think that the Rangers are going to win. Quite frankly, I think I think it's a really optimal matchup for them for for those reasons. I don't for you know Morazic is you know he's a fine, he's a basic goalie, and I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to insult him and, and call him basic. I mean he's a good goalie, but he's not like an elite goalie. And I I think uh, you know I think the Rangers aren't uh, they're not looking at him quaking in their skates, thinking oh my god, you know we got to face you know. 
uh, Carey Price or something like that. So uh, I think that the Rangers will, will, you know, have enough confidence against whoever Carolina puts in goal. Uh, I think they've balanced in their lines. And I think, uh, you know, if, if they, you know, I think in the Rangers' own goal, I mean, you're either going to start Shesterkin, who's beaten out Lundqvist, or you're going to start Lundqvist, who dominates the, the Hurricanes. So I, I, think, uh, I think the Rangers have the edge in goal, um, and I think they have the edge and balance of lines. And, you know, if Carolina's going to be down these two defensemen, as we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that that plays into the Rangers' uh, favor as well. So I, I would say that the Rangers will win. Um, you know, it's a, it's a short series, so anything could happen. But I would say if I had to pick a number on it, I'd say they'd probably win in four games. Good call. I have the Rangers in three, but we'll see what happens. Well, you know, <laughs> it, close enough. <laughs> What's the difference? One egg, two eggs. <laughs> Last question, because uh, I've taken up enough of your time, and I appreciate it very much. Obviously, we're we're dealing with a whole new world, especially for covering the team, right? And you know, obviously, there's very limited access. Everything's a Zoom call these days. Uh, what do you? What can you tell Ranger fans? What are you? What are they going to be missing from your stories by you not being in the locker room after a game? What are the biggest things that they'll, they'll miss? Uh, you know, the the biggest thing, first of all, and I and I covered the the style in the game from my couch. Uh, you know, last night. That's how and, I cover games. So that, that's right. <laughs> it was a new experience for me, uh, and and. You know, when I'm in the press box and I'm looking, I'm, I'm, I'm not always following the puck. Sometimes I'm looking in the back and I'm, I'm looking to see, I'm looking for something specific. I'm looking, checking the bench just to see if anybody's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, checking, you know, right away. I mean, not every line shift, but, you know, most line shifts. I'm looking if, as soon as somebody uh, new comes on a line, you know, I usually pick that up. Um, so that's the kind of thing that you miss is like, for instance, last night, um, I noticed at the end of the first period, I checked the stats, Libor Hayek had played two minutes in the first period. I didn't see him, right? I didn't notice him. Um, if they didn't mention his name, I, I, I wasn't going to see him. Uh, you know, he came out at the end of the, the second period. You know, he played that one shift um, at the end of the second period. So he probably had about three minutes uh, of ice time. Uh, and I'd only seen him on the ice once. So that's the kind of thing that you you see <clears throat> from the press box. The other thing is, you know, post game, you go into a locker room and, you know, as you and I were speaking before this, you know, there's a, there's a vibe in the locker room. There's a mood in the locker room. You know, you go in there and, you know, there's a bunch of guys and they're all joking and laughing. Oh, okay. It's a good locker room. You go in and it's really super quiet and there's only four guys, you know, it's been a bad night. So, you know, that's kind of a, uh, you know, that's a, that's something that you're going to miss out on because we don't have access to that. And then on a daily basis, we don't necessarily have access to the guys we want to have access to um, because, you know, you might see a guy in the locker room and you approach him and you're alone and he'll say, yeah, okay, I'll talk to you. But if the PR staff goes to that guy and says, do you want to get on a zoom call with everybody? He may say no. So you may not get the same access to the, the players that you may want to talk to, particularly if it's been a bad night for that player, right? Sometimes, like Chris Kreider won the good guy award because he's there, win or lose. You know, whether the team won and played great, he played great, or whether the team played like, you know, garbage and, and, and he was a big part of the problem, he's always there to, to talk about it, stand up like a man and, and you know, take his lumps. Uh, and we appreciate that. But it's, it, you know, you can seek out the guys in the locker room 
that you want to talk to. And we don't have that capability to do that because the PR staff is requesting guys. And lately we don't even, you know, they're kind of pushing guys on us that maybe we don't want to talk to, you know, maybe I'd rather talk to our Tammy Panarin and, and you're giving me Jacob Truba instead, you know, and that's not a slight on Truba or, any, or anything, but you know, I mean, it's like they can protect a guy but maybe you want to confront him and ask him, you know, what's really going on. I mean, I, I you know, just real quick, you know, once, you know, I don't know, I don't, it must've been in January or whatever. Um, I, I went to Pavel Buchnevich and I hadn't spoken to him in a while. I, you know, he'd been grumpy the last time we'd spoken. And so I left him alone for a while. I said, Oh, it's time for me to go talk to me. And, and I went up to him and I said, Hey, what's up? And, you know, tried to make a little small talk and he was grumpy, of course, which is not, you know, unusual for him. And he, he said, you know, something to the effect of I haven't scored in 11 games or whatever. And it was, I hadn't even noticed it. I hadn't gone up to him to say, hey, you haven't scored in 11 games. What's going on? I just went up to him to talk to him because I hadn't talked to him in a while. And he's the one that told me he hadn't scored in a while. And guess what? He scored that night. So it became a little thing on Twitter. I had some fun with it. You know, oh, hey, you know, I wrote the story about Pavlovich and then he scored, you know, so now all the guys want to talk to me. You know, it's just that's the kind of thing that you're going to miss. And, and the other thing – and. The other thing that you're really going to miss is having a different story in, in all the outlets, right? Because now we're all getting the same guys we're talking. We're all talking to the same two guys. Yeah. You know? right. I mean, and that's so you're all, you know, we, last night we got Truba and Chris Kreider, and it was fine. We're on, I was on deadline. We wrote and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, maybe I wanted to talk to Kako, you know what I mean? Or maybe I wanted to talk to Jesper Foster or somebody. Mm-hmm. And, you don't have that, you know, you don't get that. You don't get that diversity. You know, like, you know, I love it when Vince writes one thing and Larry Brooks writes something and I write something else and Carpy focuses on something else. Right. And you can kind of read it and kind of get a sense of, well, yeah, this also was interesting. Or that was, you know, and now we're all going to have the same story, basically. And that's, that's a loss, I think. Well, I just want to say thank you very much. It was really a pleasure. This is the first time you and I have spoken uh, like this. You know, we've had a couple of uh, communications over the uh, years or so, uh, and I appreciate it. I also want to take a moment to say thank you, um, you know, for plugging the website a couple of times in articles when it was, you know, a translation and you picked it up and you mentioned us. That is important for an independent like myself who's trying to grow and and establish. I I can't thank you enough for doing that. So um, with that, I just want to, you know, give you an opportunity, anything you want to plug, give out your Twitter handle, you know, go for it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I would just say, you know, uh, follow me on Twitter, Colonist Newsday. Let's see if we can convince Twitter to verify me, man. Give me that blue check. You know, I deserve it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no listen it's been great thank you for for having me on it's been it's been great I, I love interacting with you know with all all y'all on twitter and you know you do good work and and i'm always one to, to support people who do good work so keep doing the good work and i'll keep supporting you thank you and i same here and everyone thank you for joining us i hope you enjoyed this episode colin thank you again all the best stay healthy stay safe my friend my pleasure take care buddy